Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for the 2020 Formula 1 season. My name's Michael Laminato and this is a recap of the 2019 British and Spanish Grand Prix for Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Looking first to the British Grand Prix, qualifying produced another front row lockout for Mercedes and Pullman Veltri Bottas fended off an aggressive Lewis Hamilton to hold an early race advantage. But Hamilton was cooking up his own strategy to overcome the disadvantage of equal machinery, intending to turn a tyre offset into a single stop strategy compared to Bottas's two stops. It should have produced a thrilling climax to this race, but the combination of a lap 20 safety car and an inflexible Mercedes strategy worked against Bottas's fight back, securing Hamilton a home victory. I was joined by ESPN's Nate Saunders to dissect the race. After Friday, there was such a strong idea that this was going to be a two-stop race. In the end, that proved to be kind of incorrect because as Hamilton showed at yeah. the first into the race, that's not the way this race had to pan out. And if we look at this strategy in particular, okay, the safety car played a role. We'll talk about it in a second. But Hamilton, mm. among a couple of other drivers, showed that a stop straight from the medium around yeah. lap 20, coincidentally enough, with that safety car, and then onto the hard, was enough to make it to the end. And the fact yeah. he set that fastest lap right on his final lap proved it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the fastest lap was super impressive because, you know, he's that's right at the end. That should mm. be when the tyre's struggling. And, you know, Bottas had just put on, I think they were used soft tyres. Yeah. Um, but he was able to beat Bottas' time on a set of used soft. So clearly, I think people just massively misjudged the, the hard tyre mm-hmm. uh, in this case. The Hamilton one is, is really interesting because he clearly, by the sounds of what he said afterwards, he wanted an offset strategy. We were mm-hmm. talking about Ferrari and offset strategy, but obviously if the other guy you're racing for the win against is in the same car you need some variation Mm -hmm. and he obviously saw that the one stop and moving onto the hard tie gave him that and I guess he would have known that in his back pocket he could always stop again if he Mm -hmm. had to and probably give a Mercedes advantage and what we've seen him if you take Austria out of the equation he probably still would have been okay to score a podium Mm -hmm. so I don't know I mean it's an interesting call and it's quite interesting that he kind of went against what the team wanted him to do Mm -hmm. and said ahead of the race you know they said you can do a two stop and he said I'm staying out you know doing this one stop strategy and um, I I mean like you say as well the safety car kind of ruined how it would have played out Mm because it would have been fascinating I think he said he could have just sat behind Valtteri for the whole race Mm-hmm. knowing that either Valtteri's tyres would have just completely gone off at one point or he, Valtteri would have had to pit. Well, he would have had to pit either way, I guess. So, yeah, really interesting. Um, I was going to raise something I thought was actually kind of more fascinating from a Mercedes point of view is why they stuck Bottas. They did medium-medium with him. Yes, and this is really what ruined, decided the race. Yeah, because that, to me, I can totally understand that them saying, OK, we'll do a two-stopper with you, but that meant that regardless of what happened he had to stop Mm -hmm. again and it doesn't give you much flexibility in a safety car window as we saw with that you know if Verstappen had still been in play I think Bottas would have finished third Mm -hmm. because if you think about and that's that's what Horner said afterwards he said if Vettel hadn't hit Verstappen he would have had the track position and probably the pace difference wasn't that big so weirdly risky by Mercedes it's unusual that we do have the opportunity to criticise Mercedes but I think this really goes back to the fact that so many people bar one of the exceptions being Lewis Hamilton apparently Mm. was so convinced that this was a two stop that switching Bottas from a medium to a medium and thereby mandating a two stop because you have to use two different compounds of tyre was a really at the time seemed logical but really essentially stitched him up more so than the safety car on its own because had he gone for what would have been a a more flexible 
less quick strategy in the middle of the race, but ultimately more flexible, mm. hard compound tyre in the middle, in which you effectively would have lost nothing. Okay, might have been a bit slower, but a second pit stop, which we're already banking on for a medium or a soft at the end, would have then yeah. essentially been cost neutral. Uh, you, yeah, you would have had an out. Exactly right. And there was no out for Bottas. He had to do two stops at that point, and Lewis didn't have to do a second. And that, more than the safety car, stitched him up because while Hamilton already had this plan, this is worth talking about as well, because it's it's, it's very rare that we talk about a driver dictating strategy compared to a team strategy point of view. Uh, Mercedes went in, as we sort of said, with this idea they were definitely going to do a two-stop. Talk about Lewis wanting to do an offset, but in his head it was less so an offset and more just a completely different strategy. The real shame here is not that uh, necessarily the safety car jumped him ahead, but we didn't get to see how these two strategies would have met because he was convinced that stopping at around lap 20, maybe lap 22, onto the hard would have been enough to get him past Bottas two-stopping. Yeah. It's hard to say whether or not that would have happened, but it would have been a fascinating end to this race. Well, yeah, and I think he, he pointed out, so he finished about 21 seconds up the road of Bottas, mm-hmm. which is obviously once Bottas has made his stop for the softs on lap 45. And he said, he said well, that gap, I probably would have had about the same mm-hmm. gap anyway, because obviously Valtteri would have still needed to pit anyway. Yep. So he really said that, you know, if you take the safety car out of the equation... The race probably still would have finished exactly the same. Mm, maybe just, maybe ten more seconds on yeah. Hamilton's time because about a ten second stop I think behind a safety car compared to twenty. Yeah, so, so I think he was anticipating he'd still have a healthy lead over mm-hmm. over over Bottas and yeah it it all comes down as well doesn't it to the the argument about track position in Formula One mm-hmm. you know do you how much do you value track position over a quick, slightly quicker strategy on paper mm-hmm. and in this position Lewis was laughing because. Even if he was, he came out of that stop. Even if there had been no safety car, and let's say he stopped on lap twenty-two, came up behind Bottas, I think he would have just sat there the whole race. Even Lewis might have just sat there the whole race. Maybe he'd have tried yeah. to pass him, but he wouldn't have needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I kind of like you say, rare time when we can just say Mercedes kind of messed up, mm-hmm. and you don't often get to say that. And it's a shame as well because it's on Bottas. You know, if they'd messed up on yeah. Lewis, I think it. It, it kind of makes things a bit more interesting in terms of the championship. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we know that Lewis isn't exactly <laughs> keen on that happening Yeah, uh, and is very vocal about it. So, yeah, it just, it's just kind of a shame that what was a classic start to a race was kind of kind of fizzled out. Yeah. I think we all would have wanted to see how that played out. And they might have yeah. met at the end and been, it might have been very close. It might have been Lewis just waltzing to the flag, but mm-hmm. not knowing is the frustrating thing. Looking back to the Spanish Grand Prix, round five, Formula One was forced to accept there was no Ferrari challenge in the offing, with the team turning up in Barcelona, where it had looked so strong during pre-season testing and foundering well off the pace. The fight was another straight Bottas-Hamilton duel, and unfortunately for the Finn, who took a one-point advantage into this race, a dodgy start was all it took to cost him victory and his championship lead. I caught up with F1 senior writer Lawrence Barreto to ask some familiar questions. Can anyone challenge Mercedes? Is it up to Bottas to save the season? And discuss the problems at the heart of Ferrari in 2019. If you ask Valtteri Bottas, I suppose, it wasn't so much that Hamilton got a better start, but he had the mysterious clutch problem that yep. prevented him from, from executing his start. Well, there was a this, there was the safety car white line again, wasn't mm. there, I think, that you could you could potentially <laughs> say was uh, was the problem again. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting that he said that the clutch problem this time was something that he'd never experienced before and that if he had the chance to do it again, he would just go through the same routine. Um, so it's interesting that he's opted to go down that path of an explanation, which would suggest, if you give him the benefit of the doubt, that it was there was something that went went amiss. Um, 
if it wasn't, then this start thing's going to be a problem going forward. <laughs> because as we saw in this race, particularly, if you're not ahead at turn one, you're probably not going to be ahead um, later, you know, at any other point in the race. Spain's obviously a difficult circuit to overtake on for various reasons. And let's not, I guess we we shouldn't get too carried away. Processional races at Barcelona are, are, are usual, are typical. Mm. So I, I guess let's... Uh, that's something to be optimistic. There you go. I found something to be optimistic about. <laughs> that other races um, might not be as, as dull as this one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I think, I, I just feel that Bottas this year has had this, got this inner confidence um, that I've never seen him uh, display. So I feel like, yeah, he's been beaten this weekend, but in a way that in the past he might have really got his head down. I don't think he will have done that. And I think he'll just get back up. And, I, you know, I'm interested to see how the next couple of races pan out. It will be really interesting to see where this Bottas narrative goes. Uh, part of the reason he did also lose a position to Hamilton, uh, obviously the start played a substantial part in that, but he potentially could have hung, ar- hung around the outside of the first turn, had the inside line to turn two, and then who knows, maybe they'd have crashed. We've seen that happen before. Or <laughs> Maybe he would have held position, but Sebastian Vettel had a pretty good start himself, managed to get a bit of a slipstream down to turn one and hung around Bottas's outside. Unsuccessfully, though, locked up his tyres, and we'll talk about the effects of that in a moment, but that kind of pincered Bottas as well and forced him to concede a little bit earlier uh, than perhaps he might otherwise have done. And the knock-on effect of that was not only did Bottas lose a place, but both Vettel and potentially Leclerc, depending on how well his start would have gone, Mm -hmm. then lost a place to... Max Verstappen, so a fairly costly first lap. It was, but obviously great to start with, because to have three abreast mm-hmm. uh, going for the lead into the first one is the first corner is brilliant watching. Um, I think Bottas drove a little too kindly uh, in his approach mm. to what happened there. He basically drove very fairly, and I imagine he had Baku in his mind. He also had Lewis's comments in his <laughs> mind where Lewis basically said, I didn't really push him, I could have gone much harder. I imagine all those things would have been in and around his head. He also would have known that if Seb had potentially got ahead of him, or even if he wasn't so kind to Lewis and slightly harsher to Seb, um, it could have changed the dynamic of the race, and Ferrari could have actually been in I don't know whether they would have had the pace but at that point they would have had a chance to to mess up Mercedes's race so I thought Bottas kind of took one for the team there uh for Seb I thought it was brilliant that he managed to have a a stab down Mm -hmm. the outside it's just unfortunate that he just I'm all for late breaking but he just left it obviously too late because he picked up that flat spot um but it wasn't that much late because he didn't drift off the circuit that far he almost managed to keep um all four wheels on the on the circuit. I thought he was quite harsh in the way he then swept right back on because he basically thought to Charles Leclerc, I don't care that you're there, I'm coming <laughs> straight back on. And I think Charles could have probably got third at that point because he, he probably would, if Seb had given him space, he would have got ahead of him and by that point he was already ahead of Max. So he would have been lined in third place. So that would have been quite good for him. Um, obviously, like you said, Max was the benefiter uh, there. He just, for once, just kept his nose clean and took, <laughs> took whatever was, was there for him, there for the taking. In a beautiful difference compared to the way Verstappen was driving this time last year. Certainly a massive change for him to keep his nose clean. Thereafter, the race was between Ferrari and Red Bull Racing. The race for victory was gone. It was it was up the road fairly substantially, actually, fairly quickly as well. Uh, and this is really where... And it's strange because considering they weren't racing for victory, the pressure was almost even greater for Ferrari at this point just to lock down a, a podium position, which ultimately they didn't get. And we saw this... 
the messiness of team orders again raised their head for Ferrari. And it's weird because we've said this so many times this year. That could almost be the subtitle <laughs> of the season review DVD. What have Ferrari done this time? But it's never actually really been the way that so many people thought it would be at the start of the year that they'd just be moving Charles aside or even some people suggest they might just be moving Sebastian aside. It's almost just been an incredible uh, lack of willingness to act that is causing concern about team orders at Ferrari. You get the feeling that they want to be decisive. And so <laughs> the, the strategy that they're trying to take is down that path, but they're not being decisive. And therefore, when you try to be decisive, but you're not, it's actually even worse than just being careful. So I, they're just making it terrible. I don't, I don't really know what they're doing, if I'm honest. Um, I don't think they do either. <laughs> I mean, quite possibly. I guess they're just trying to, they're trying to, make the best of a bad situation i guess they're always flipping to plan b mm-hmm. when too early because they're then they're realizing that the the leader's lot or the chance to win a race is lost much earlier than they're optimistic you know they were optimistically hoping for and so that is putting them on the back foot and then when they're having to be decisive and make moves they're not doing it i think there was at one point during the media session um after the race bonotto was talking about how they needed to give it a couple of laps before they kind of made a decision. It shouldn't take that long to make that call. It, it should, shouldn't it just be quite clear that if one driver is faster than the other and if you're going to play this game of releasing one from the other, you just do it instantly. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you've made the best of that decision. Mm-hmm. If you just dither for a couple of laps and then so you've lost time anyway and then you let them pass... And then it hasn't worked out. You've given yourself a double whammy. So I don't, I don't really understand it again. And we're saying the same old thing, aren't we? Five races in now, they've they've done team orders at all five races. It's just like they're making the same mistake over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> so those were the results in 2019. What should we expect for 2020? Both Silverstone and Barcelona Catalunya are stern all-round tests of the car and will highlight aerodynamic strengths and weaknesses. As was the case last year, Mercedes appears to hold an impregnable advantage over the field and should have few problems converting that pace to one-two finishes, all things being equal. The spotlight will again fall to Red Bull Racing and its problematic aero package. It felt confident during pre-season testing, perhaps shades of Ferrari in 2019, but in pushing its design to the limit, it has developed an unstable car, particularly over one lap. Neither Max Verstappen nor Alex Elbon was ever fully satisfied in Budapest, another aero-dependent circuit. Without a solution, the next three races will be punishing, especially Barcelona, where recovery from poor qualifying is hard thanks to the difficulty in overtaking. This could open the door to Racing Point finally capitalising with a maiden podium for its rapid 2020 car, which in Budapest looked worthy of a top three finish were it not for substandard execution. These two next circuits will be illustrative of that car's potential. One strategy quirk worth keeping an eye on will be the difference in tyre allocations for the second Silverstone race, which will be one step softer than those used at the first. It should ensure the second race isn't just a rerun of the first, and it'll likely push the teams away from the hardest tyre compound on the first weekend, and therefore towards a two-stop strategy that may offer some interesting variability. As always, I'll be back over the next three weeks to analyse all the action from Britain and Hungary. Until then, you can subscribe to the Strategy Report wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter for our regular pre-race strategy guides. My name's Michael Amanato. I hope you're keeping safe and well and I'll catch you next week for a review of the British Grand Prix.